Welcome to the Triage Method Podcast with me, Gary McGowan, and my co-host, Mr. Patrick Farrell. This is Monday's episode in which we discuss a kind of bigger picture topic, you could say, as opposed to a specific question. So this week's topic is the topic of training frequency. But first things first, how are you this week, Paddy? You were in Krakow. Yeah, I was in Krakow all, all last week, pretty much. Um, I basically went because it's the 75th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz. So I was like, oh, this is perfect. Well, this is not perfect, but this is a perfect time to uh, go there and, you know, experience that, see what it was like. Because as people who listen to the podcast may know, I do like my history. I do like my politics. I do like all that kind of stuff. So it was uh, an interesting, you know, holiday. And obviously, Krakow is also a very nice city. And I have a lot of friends there because... You know, I live in Dublin and there's a huge Polish community in Dublin. So, well, in Ireland overall. So obviously then when they go back home and stuff like that, you know, I'm still friends with them. So we met up with a few, I met up with a few friends and stuff. But anyway, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a good holiday. Um, still did some work while I was away. Not as much as I'd like because I am back in college. Well, as you're listening to this on the Monday, I'm back in college now. I know Gary, you've been back in college for like the last two weeks or something so you're like oh that's that's scum but you know ucd just gives us lots of time off so i'm not going to complain to be fair it is the same in ucc it's just the grad medicine that's that longer because it's a condensed course the other people have longer holidays but that's life you know fairly scum frequency 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 frequency. so Today, we're going to discuss frequency. Let me get my little notes up here so I can you know, get out exactly what we're going to discuss. So the first thing we're going to discuss is the frequency of training a specific, specific body part, right? So you know, how frequently should you ch- train your chest? You know, The next thing that we're going to discuss about frequency is frequency of what we'll call exercise selection, right? So again, like, let's say we say you ch- the frequency debate or whatever and we say all right you should train your chest twice per week right we'll just say that's our standpoint right and then you go okay so does that mean i have to train the same exercise or the same exercises twice per week or can those exercises change right so i'm still training my chest twice per week but i'm doing different movements you know so you could also then say oh we want to have a higher frequency of that movement exposure so say it's your bench press you know if you're a power lifter doing that exercise more frequently you know multiple times per week may be beneficial uh, and may lead to increased you know gains you know strength gains muscular gains whatever and um, so there's a few different things going on here and it, it is a question or a series of questions that come up and hopefully by the end of this podcast you will have a, a bit of a better understanding of how to program things across your overall week and how to program them according to your actual goals rather than just sound bites you might hear in the, the the health and fitness industry you know and while we go through a lot of this stuff in you know our ebooks and um, our ebook te- ebook templates you know and um, you'll, you'll see in those we, we kind of touch on this stuff because obviously we're giving people the tools uh, to you know effectively 
giving them a template to program design. Like it's not like this is exactly what you have to do. Like you could read it like that and effectively just copy the program as written. But you know, the, the eBooks are kind of designed where it's like, okay, this is how you select movements. This is how you structure your overall week for of, of training for your given goal. Right. And so the only reason I bring that up is because it, when people ask about this kind of stuff, it, it can be very, e- very easy to kind of have this stuff kind of float over your your head and kind of be like, okay, I understand that. But then actually seeing it in practice, you're like, oh, so that's actually what they meant. So while it, it sounds like it's a bit of a greasy sales pitch where I'm like, oh, buy our eBooks to see what we're talking about, that I'm just, I'm bringing them up because if you effectively just want to bypass all the information, yes, you want to learn it, you want to listen, you want to listen along, blah, blah, blah. But you actually just want to see it in practice. That the best place to do that would be to buy some of the ebook templates. Like we have a, a two to six day ebook template, you know, which has I don't know how many programs in it, nearly a hundred or something. Forty one, huh? Forty one. Forty one. Is that all it has? Oh, that seems pretty scum. Um, but anyway, it has <laughs> loads of uh, pro- programs in it, so you can go. Okay, so that's actually how. I would put together all this information they have presented, you know, now, obviously we're not including all of the millions and thousands or whatever permutations of programs that you could do, you know, that's obviously not, not possible. Um, but it, it should give you some understanding of how you can start putting these things together and, and how a program should effectively look when you take into consideration all of the stuff we have been discussing over the last few weeks. And then also this discussion today. Right. So that's a bit of a greasy sales pitch, but also I think that is beneficial for people listening to this to actually see stuff in practice. Right. So let's, let's actually get into the discussion. Right. So Gary, given your understanding of muscles, given your understanding of the current research on we'll call it strength and conditioning and this debate about frequency of training a muscle group, what would the, the current research seem to say? Because I'm thinking about this from someone that's kind of exposed to the fitness industry. Maybe you're a beginner, intermediate kind of stage. And, you know, you're not necessarily in the fitness industry. You just, you know, enjoy training and you want to make sure you're doing kind of best practices. But this isn't your your career, shall we say, you know, you're just effectively trying to train effectively that that's all you're trying to do you're not here to try spend 40 50 60 hours a week thinking about this stuff you know you have a real life you have a real job all that kind of stuff so you you don't have the time you know but you want to do things right for so the time that you're in the gym you know you're making the most of that time right so you might have been exposed to you know starting off i think a lot of people especially if you grew up in we'll say that the 90s you know, you were born in the nineties, grew up in the, the noughties, uh, you would probably still be exposed to some of those kind of muscle mags, uh, bro split type deals where it's like, Oh, train a muscle to complete annihilation, uh, once per week. Um, and then give it a full week to recover, you know? So a lot of people have grown up with the, the expectation that you just need to train a muscle once per week, you know? And inherently that would mean that, you know, you'd have to do higher volume in that given session because as we've discussed about you know volume before you know we'll say roughly 20 sets 10 to 20 sets per week seems to be the the kind of recommendation for optimal muscle growth at at the current time you know there obviously are time periods where you might go higher time periods where you might go lower 
etc but that seems to be a good general base point 10 to 20 sets per muscle group per week and um, so obviously if you're only training that muscle once per week you're gonna have to get all of those sets in in that given session you know and so if that's 20 sets that's 20 sets per muscle in that given session you know so if it's your chest day you're doing 20 sets of chest you know and um, however you'll see also then in the the health and fitness realm that people have now begun especially in the last we'll say 10 years 10 15 years again you're you're still in that kind of naughties to the 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 20 teens um and people have really kind of pushed more towards hitting a muscle group with slightly lower volume but more frequently throughout the the week you know and you obviously saw the pendulum if you're again following the fitness industry you saw the pendulum swing wildly that way where people were going oh frequency is this you know variable that we can manipulate and all of a sudden people were training you know uh, certain muscle groups or certain movements like multiple multiple times per week you know some people training like in the powerlifting sense you know some people were training like the squat six days per week seven days per week you know sometimes even double day sessions you know so they were they were training those muscles or training those movements multiple times and it can be hard for you as an individual looking at the the health and fitness sphere and maybe not fully understanding all the the baseline underlying principles and kind of go okay well these guys are successful over here and they seem to be training only once per week you know training these muscles once per week or these movements once per week and then you have these other guys over here that seem to be successful and they're training those muscles or movements like four five six times per week so you can kind of look at that and go what should i do you know so let's start with the 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 muscle stuff because i think that's the first thing we need to discuss because the movement stuff relies on the muscle stuff in terms of you know your recoverability and all that kind of stuff so let's discuss this from a a muscle perspective so what are your current thoughts on training frequency for in the perspective of muscles yeah so first things first i guess like it's important to like uh, this is a point you actually often bring up but i think it's important to recognize that us looking at training in terms of a seven day period is fairly arbitrary you know like it is and and that like arbitrary lines are good because they help keep things in order and it gives a structure and stuff like that because it would be it would be chaotic if i just gave someone a six month training goal you know, like I want you to do this many sets in six months. Like that's ridiculous. Um, but it does actually help you to understand maybe some of the the thought blocks that people run into when they start to think about training frequency. So frequency across a given week is that you that seven days is pretty much an arbitrary period, and you could just as equally look at it across a thirty day period. So if we take a given training volume, and let's say it's twenty sets per muscle per week. Like you have the example of some individuals who do a classically old school kind of bro split where they train a muscle once per week and they might do 20 sets on the Monday and then they give themselves a full week to recover. Okay. We can actually magnify some of the errors with that approach by saying that why not do 80 sets (laughs) for a muscle just the first Monday of the month and give yourself a full month to recover. Clearly, that's a ridiculous example, and nobody does that, but it magnifies some of the errors that we might run into here. So basically, the, the, the first error with that approach is essentially that there's going to be a ceiling 
in terms of the anabolic stimulus or signaling processes that you're going to get from a given bout of training. So while you may get increases for a certain number of sets, it's going to start flattening out and potentially you're going to get a decrease eventually at a certain number of sets um, in terms of the anabolic, the net anabolic response that you get um, because of the amount of your resources that have to be dedicated towards simply repairing as opposed to building new tissue. And I think that's a key distinction is that when we're talking about muscle repair and muscle growth um, and the, the balance between muscle protein synthesis and muscle protein breakdown or degradation or proteolysis, whatever way you want to think about it, the, your resources could be allocated to the building of new muscle proteins that you know did not exist before or that are in addition to your previous baseline and simply repairing damage that has been created by ridiculous amounts of work that were done. So there is a distinction there. Um, so yeah, when you start to look at it kind just, of through just that. On, just on that as well, like it's even easier to see it not from the recovery perspective, because I, I always think that can kind of seem a bit abstract for a lot of people. But if you just look at it from, like you were saying, like obviously being hyperbolic, but saying you did 80 sets in that given workout, you know, like, do you really think the first set, the stimulus you got from the first set versus the stimulus you got from the 80th set, do you really think you're going to be able to put your best effort into that 80th set? right? No, like no one, no one has that kind of endurance. Again, as I, I said before, like just put this into a, a different perspective rather than lifting, right? Let's just do sprinting. Cause it's, you know, somewhat similar in terms of energetic demands, like to an extent, right? And um, do you really think someone's doing an 80 set sprint workout? They're like, oh yeah, we're hundred meter sprinter, right? Do 80 sets of hundred meters. No, obviously fucking not. That fucking 80 set would be shit. They'd literally be barely jogging. It'd be a walk, you know? And so looking at it from that perspective, in terms of your performance on a given day, it's obviously not optimal to do that much. Right. So we start bringing that back down where you're like, okay, so let 80 sets, obviously that's ridiculous hyperbolic, right? So we start bringing that back down to more realistic numbers. And then you start going, okay, well, what is a realistic number of sets that I can do and have my best performance on a given workout, right? And again, this is somewhat where this 10 to 20 sets recommendation comes from. Once you layer that onto the fact that, like Gary was saying, there is this recovery aspect and this kind of anabolism, catabolism, you know, interplay that we have to consider. And that starts then influencing our recommendations going forward with this, this frequency debate. But I always like to keep in my mind that, you know, performance is the thing that is driving all of these adaptations. So you have to choose a method of training that allows you to put forth your best performance. And I, I don't mean like, cause people interpret that means interpret that as meaning, oh, you have to be lifting the maximum amount of weight every single workout. You have to be going to failure. And that's not necessarily true. You know, that's not necessarily your best performance when we also consider recovery in this thing, because it's your best performance over multiple sessions, over multiple weeks, over multiple months. You know, like, I don't care if you have an absolutely unbelievable session on a Monday, you hit PRs all around. If all of a sudden you're so fatigued that every single other one of your sessions in that week is shit, you know, or by the time you come around, say you're only training that muscle group once per week, by the time you come around, even till the next week, you're now at a decrement in performance because you haven't even recovered within a week because you went so balls to the wall all out 
with that one session on that Monday, you know? So we have to layer in not only the performance aspect, but also like Gary was saying, the, the recovery aspect and what we're actually, what adaptations we're actually trying to elicit, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and like the point that, that that really comes back to is one of the points that I really want to make is that like no training variable exists in a vacuum. And like when we're talking about frequency, we cannot discuss frequency without discussing the interplay of frequency, volume, intensity, fatigue, recovery, etc. So they all do tie in together. And, you know, as I was saying, there's going to be a point where you start to get diminishing returns within a given session. And like that's probably somewhere between maybe like around the 10 set mark. I think it's fine to view it as being around there, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you can't do 12 sets twice a week if you're trying to bump up your volume, if you still feel like you're maintaining the quality of your work and that you're seeing progress from that. So there's some level, maybe around that, let's let's call it eight to 12 set region, um, where your quality of work is probably going to be reducing and the benefits that you're getting from a given amount of work within a session are going to be diminishing. Um, that might be different if you're doing loads of sub-maximal work, you know, if, it's not, if the sets aren't challenging at all. But we're kind of assuming that you've listened to the last couple of podcasts and most of your work is in that kind of one to three reps and reserve range where the reps are starting to get slow. They're really challenging. Your sets are actually, you know, they're hard. Um, so yeah, so that like that's 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 a starting assumption, and we're always assuming that you're thinking of, of frequency um, with other training variables in mind. So as I said, that seven day period is kind of an arbitrary is an is an arbitrary way of looking at things. But because it's the way most people set up their programs, it's a useful way of at least trying to think about it and starting to conceptualize it. So from uh, back to your initial question. Where my current what my current impression is and current recommendations would generally be would be that training a muscle like if we're just talking about muscle hypertrophy training a muscle twice per week is without a doubt better than once per week um that's like that's i could become be more certain of that and you're probably going to get a a good bump in progress from twice per week versus once per week but thereafter you may or may not benefit a lot from it you know i think going up to three times per week um, may have benefits. Um, it's sort of speculative. And like, I think it's still, I think you can still use your reasoning to say that it's a good approach because you can observe your quality of work changes. And if it, if it aligns itself with more strength progress or more skill progress or more training adherence or more enjoyment, then that's something that can indirectly affect your, your hypertrophy progress anyway. So three times per week is probably beneficial. Above that, it really, for me, comes down to a, a preference thing um, and maybe even a variation thing. Like, I don't think five times per week is golden or six times per week is way better than twice per week. I think you're talking about minimal differences there. Um, but as I said, if it affects things like your strength, your skill, your, your preferences, your enjoyment, etc., then it may be worth considering higher frequencies. But for the most part, most of my programs tend to be within that two to three times per week frequency. And as we both alluded to, it's sort of a vehicle for you to achieve higher volumes of training while actually maintaining quality. Um, and that's not to say that lower volumes of training don't benefit from higher frequencies. They do. But especially when you start to get those higher volumes, you don't want to be doing all of that in one session. You want to be spreading it throughout the week and you want to be maintaining your quality. Um, so an example of that in practice would be something like, if you were trying to go from 20 sets to 24 sets because you're, you're getting quite advanced and you were previously doing 10 sets twice per week, you might now go to 
eight sets three times per week to get those 24 sets. You're bumping up your volume, but your volume per session is a little bit lower. So your previous, like, let's say previously, you felt quite good again after two to three days of recovery. You might bring that down slightly. So because you've taken two sets away, you're now two, two days later, you feel kind of good, good to go again. And that is permissive of you then maintaining this three days per week frequency from a from a strength perspective which is obviously intrinsically linked to the hypertrophy discussion there's probably more evidence to say that it's more beneficial for strength to 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 go a little bit higher in terms of the frequency um and that makes a lot of sense because when we're talking about strength and we're talking about specific lifts especially it is a very specific outcome so you're not just talking about um increases in muscle size or muscle cross-sectional area <clears throat> what you're talking about when it comes to strength is the expression of force production within given constraints so if you're doing a squat it's not just about your muscle like your quads being able to produce knee extension force it's about you being able to coordinate the skill um, and and produce force within those constraints so like an example of that would that would be different maybe to a pure hypertrophy perspective would be someone having a day where they squat heavier a day in between where it's really light and it's just kind of technique based speed based and then another challenging session towards the end of the week. Um, there is evidence to say that, that that is useful. And it's been practiced for a long time through, through many training systems where they'll have speed work or dynamic work um, or just simply lighter sessions. Um, and yeah, there's, there's, there's rationale for that. So I think strength, higher frequencies maybe nudge a little bit ahead of hypertrophy because of the skill element. And then the further you get away from that in terms of things like Olympic weightlifting and more skill-based sports, I think frequency becomes even more of a priority. So basically, the, I would look at it in terms of a spectrum there in terms of the more skill-based the sport is or the outcome is, the more frequency is going to, to be important. And um, Whereas when we're looking at something that's really non-specific like hypertrophy, like yeah, frequency is important, but it's probably not as important as in those other cases. Yeah, like I think that, again, that's basically touching on the, the second part of this whole discussion which is you know the the exercise selection frequency and um, because like you said there is this skill component we'll call it a neurological component whatever you want to call it there's effectively you need to be able to do a movement as effectively as possible you know like if you tidy tidy up or whatever you want to call it your technique so that you're more efficient in your movement you know that's going to facilitate you lifting more weight assuming efficiency means you know you're able to coordinate that movement better you know like obviously if rep to rep you know you're getting out of position you're bouncing back and forward or whatever there's extra movement momentum all that kind of forces going on then that's not the most efficient way to lift the heaviest amount of weight so obviously if your outcome is to lift the heaviest amount of weight you're, you're going to need to practice the skill itself you know you're going to have to be able to coordinate that movement as efficiently as possible and this is especially true of something like olympic weightlifting where you know the the skill of doing it like there's such skillful lifts that you have to have that movement ingrained so deep in your nervous system that you know like in your sleep you're almost doing the movement you know um so that obviously is the second part of this discussion, which we'll get on onto, right? But like you were saying, if we're looking at this from a, a muscular perspective, like I personally view frequency purely as a mechanism of manipulating overall volume, right? While also layering on the fact that obviously there's a, a certain point where 
you know, you're not actually recovering any more, you know, like you've stimulated the muscle, you're fully recovered, you know, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to train straight away, stimulate that muscle again. But obviously there is a drop off point where you've stimulated that muscle, you've adapted, you've got these adaptations, whether that's muscular adaptations or whether it's nervous system or whatever, like everyone is aware that there is a point where those adaptations drop off. You know, like if I went to the gym for six months and I was hitting whatever, everything twice per week, say, you know, and then I just stopped, like there's going to be a point where I lose muscle, I lose strength, I lose the the actual skill of being able to, you know, do those movements. So we're all aware that there is this drop-off point, you know? So effectively, all we're trying to do is time our frequency, again, depending on the goal, whether it's, you know, muscular gain, we're time, trying to time our frequency so that we're still stimulating the muscle at the right time so that we can continue to progress and not get to that regression point. And um, if it's a strength or skill or whatever you want to call it, like there's obviously again, a time point where it's like, okay, we're going to facilitate more in- ingrainment, you know, more skill development. Um, and there's going to be a time point that we lose that. So we obviously want to train frequently enough that we never lose that, you know? Um, so effectively in my mind, I'm like, this is just a method of, manipulating the overall spread of volume so that we are timing our exposure to a stimulus so that we continue to slowly and slowly adapt further up rather than getting to that point where it starts to dip down now obviously you might get to that point where it starts to dip down and then you get another exposure and it goes back up and over time it's still trending upwards and but again it is it is the the goal to get it so that the, the overall trend is upwards. So if that for you right now is, you know, I expose myself to this stimulus on a Monday and I, I'm still adapting to it by next Monday and it's only just started to level off and you expose yourself to that stimulus or uh, an increased stimulus again and it starts going up, like that might be perfect for you. <clears throat> Say you're a beginner or something, you know, might that might be, all you need to keep that stimulus or keep that adaptation going up and up and up. Now, could we argue that if you got more frequent stimuli and like a lesser stimuli, so you're doing 20 sets uh, for each of those once per week workouts, you know, and could we get the exact same or an even better response if we started doing that twice per week? You know, I would personally argue that that's probably the case, but I can also make the case that if we just did 20 sets, once per week and for this beginner person that they would still slowly increase where i think it starts becoming a bit more of a concern a bit more of something that we really need to focus on is once you get past that kind of beginner stage you know where effectively anything works then we start needing to think okay you're at a strength level at a skill development level at a a muscle development level where if we only expose you to this stimulus once per week you know, you're probably only going to either very slowly increase the adaptations, like we're talking, you know, a a very slow rate of gain, which is fine. If that's, if that's your goal, you're like, that's, I'm happy with that. Um, whereas I would, I would think that once you get to that intermediate stage, training stuff more frequently would allow you to effectively slowly build up at at a slightly faster rate than if you were only exposing yourself to the stimulus once per week you know and obviously again like we can't 
we can't just dissociate the, the volume discussion from this. Like that's not a case of, oh, I was doing this 20 set workout once per week. And now I'm going to do two 20 set workouts. You know, that's, that's not what we're saying. Obviously the, if we equate the volume, cause that's what you would have to do to make this somewhat scientific, you know, you can then go, okay, so this actually allows me to spread that volume out, get higher quality workouts in because, you know, I can put more into each individual set because I'm not getting down to this 20th set where, you know, I have to do some very isolation movement to get any kind of quality work because all the prime movers are pretty fatigued at this stage. And you would then spread it out across the overall week, you know? Um, so again, the, the volume discussion has to play into this. And then you can also, using that higher frequency, you can actually use that as a driver for higher volumes if you want it, you know? Um, say, for example, you are doing 20 sets and you know by, you know, set 18, your your quality of work is pretty seriously declining. You know, it, it's not great. But you know by about set 12, you're like, uh, like I'm still... I'm still firing on all cylinders, you know? You could cap that workout, you know, say you were doing 20 sets in that workout. You could cap that workout 12 sets. But now you repeat that workout, either the same workout or, again, like 12 sets for that muscle group um, three, four days later. And all of a sudden, now over the total week, you're getting 24 sets rather than the 20 sets that you were getting, of which, you know, eight of them were kind of low-quality sets, you know? So you can use increases in frequency uh, to be a driver for increases in volume overall you know but it, it has to start from a place where you know you either just do the same amount of volume you were doing and then spread it across two workouts per week or three or whatever whatever you're deciding that's where you start you can't just go oh i was doing 20 i'm going to do 20 on 20 you know you don't just double your your workload for a muscle group in the space of a week you know like you do want to have some sort of acclimatization period and you also want to realize that you know this this is a potential variable that you can manipulate to increase your overall volume so if you go again i'm bringing it to twice per week i'm going to start off i've been doing 20 sets i'm only going to do 20 sets per week so 10 sets per workout or maybe you go i'm going to do 12 sets in this workout and eight sets in the second workout or whatever makes sense for you um, and then you go okay i'm going to see if i can you know bump up the volume a little bit and see if that leads to increased growth see if that leads to a, a better training experience overall you know results wise you know so again you have to view this as frequency is some way that you can manipulate your overall volume in a given week right and again when we look at this like why are we doing this it's because we're looking for the adaptations right so i suppose the next question because this kind of answers some of the questions that people will have the next question i'm going to ask you gary is okay so i'm getting on board i've only been doing one one workout per muscle group per week i want to increase my frequency but generally i'm a little bit sore after my workouts not like hugely domsy i just you know i feel like i've worked the muscle you know what is the time period i have to wait until i work that muscle again is there is there a given time period do i have to wait i've heard 72 hours is you know the the protein response i've heard doms you know i've been, I've been told it's kind of 24 72 hours like what's going on how like 
can we hit something every single day and just go, oh yeah, volume is equated, happy days. What, what's the story there? Yeah, so the first thing to acknowledge is that by virtue of the fact that you are increasing your frequency, as you very clearly said, you're going to be reducing your per session volume. So this is the same as like talking about how you set up your diet, for example. If you have a massive breakfast that's 1500 calories and your total daily intake is 2000, then you're not going to be as hungry at, at lunch as you would be if you had a 750 calorie breakfast. Like that's pretty clear. So in this case, you're you're, we can equate that kind of appetite response or sense of fullness with the amount of soreness that you're experiencing after a workout. So if you're currently doing 15 to 20 sets in a given workout once per week, then it's very likely you're going to be quite sore after that. So this is where we start to bring in, I guess, expectation modification, you could call it, where you don't actually have to expect to be sore because that's not necessarily the outcome we're looking for. So in that case, what you'd be doing is you'd be reducing your volume per session um, and, and spreading it across the week as you um, suggested. So with that in mind, then your recovery period is going to be automatically reduced. So the period of time required for you to, you know, um, firstly alleviate the symptoms associated with that response, such as pain, such as tenderness on palpation, um, reductions in, in range of motion, um, and also the more objective things that you're concerned with, such as the reduction in force production. Um, they're going to be recovering themselves much quicker because you're now spitting your dose of, of exercise in, in a 50, by 50%. Okay, so you've reduced it by 50%. So it's very likely that you won't be experiencing those symptoms to as much of a degree anymore. Um, so basically, the recovery time is going to scale pretty much with the dose of exercise that you have applied. So if you're if you if you normally take let's say four days to to recover and feel like you could train again, then in this case, when you cut your volume in half per session, you might feel you know ready to go again 50 percent in fifty percent of the time. So two days later, um, that mightn't scale like perfectly linearly. But it's certainly close enough for us to use it as a, a fairly simple heuristic kind of starting off. Um, so that would be the, the thing that I would say, because there's not any like clear um, window of time before, before you can train a muscle again. Like you can, you can train a muscle before it's, it's fully recovered its force production, like if you wanted. It just depends what you're trying to get out of that session. Like, for example, you could do a really light speed focus, technique focus session um, when you're still only at 90% of your um, full force production um, recovery and get, you know, get things out of that. And it might even encourage the recovery process a little bit. Um, whereas if you were to do a strength session on that day, that probably wouldn't be the best idea because you're not at your potential to you know achieve 100 of your performance um that you potentially could so yeah this, this it just kind of goes back to like the discussion we were having i think maybe two podcasts ago about like you know the pros and cons of you know we'll call this whatever you want to call it, the reverse pyramid style training and um, like this would be like a con to that if you were like oh i want to get a higher frequency of training with a certain muscle group and even though you did we'll say lower volumes you know potentially if you were going to higher intensities you know in terms of you're getting closer and closer to failure like you're you're trying to even push past failure like that potentially would lead you to not being able to train a muscle as frequently versus if you were to do you know a, a training session with three reps in reserve for all those sets so as you can see these kind of things do play in together so they are the considerations you need to have not only of like how i'm going to spread my volume 
but how you are actually doing that volume, like what, what you're actually doing in a training session. Yeah, like, I mean, for something pretty subtle, when you're only talking about a difference of a couple of reps, like going to failure does prolong your recovery period. So if you're training to fit, like if you were to adopt that approach of a higher frequency, like you might want to start with staying a bit further from failure and seeing how you respond before just going in and hammering yourself and then trying to do it again two days later or three days later or whatever when you're not fully recovered. So as you said, all these training variables tie in together. So there's a volume consideration there where you're scaling your the amount of volume per session um, with frequency and with the amount of days that are required to recover. So if you cut your volume in half by 50% per session, then you might expect your recovery time to reduce similar to that. Um, and then similarly with the failure, you actually, you actually have to ask yourself how far you are from failure on those sets as well. So if you previously weren't training to failure at all and you're dropping down to a higher frequency approach and hitting failure, then that might prolong the recovery period and not align with that, that discussion that we just had. So, so yeah, you have to keep all of these things in mind. And like, as we said in the previous episodes, like going to all the way to failure, most of the time, like probably is the best idea, like staying a couple of reps shy of failure, assuming you know how to get close to that is probably a good idea. So that stays within our recommendations. Um, and then we have our volume recommendations, like generally 10 to 20 sets for most people, most of the time. And then you got your frequency recommendation somewhere between two to three times per week for most people twice is probably fine. So then, you know, you've got simple things that you can build a program around. But to, to very clearly answer that question, your recovery time is going to reduce when you do reduce your volume. So you don't have to worry about going in again two or three days later and like doing damage or not getting adaptations um, because you're probably going to recover just fine. And you don't have to, there's, there's no magic window before you can train a muscle again. Yeah, I think that's, well, that clears up a few things for a lot of people. Generally, to put this into practice, what I always try to do is think of it in terms of when, when are you next able to experience a good workout? You know, when are you able to put a good performance in when you consider all the variables that go into this, you know, especially the mental aspect, you know, because um, I think that sometimes gets forgotten in the discussion you know you might train your chest and be like yeah i could train it again in tomorrow or the next day but you know i really just don't want to train my chest you know it's like uh, that's done like i'm like you know I, I mentally i'm not there to you know switch it on and go for it you know so generally what i find for most people is there's this kind of two days post workout that you know you're maybe not in the best position to a put in your best performance for that next session assuming you know relative intensities reps in reserve or pe whatever you want to call it uh are the same you know about workouts are three reps in reserve you know maybe you could do that after uh, the space of the day or whatever um but i think for most people it's that kind of at least one day of re recovery or whatever you want to call it and um, so one to two days of recovery and then you can hit that muscle again that's not a hard and fast rule because i do have clients that are you know training say uh, the bench press or something three times per week you know or i have clients on like full body programs you know three times per week you know so i'm not saying that it's this hard and fast rule of you know oh it has to be two days in between that just seems to be the case that for a lot of people that kind of aligns with where they mentally fall where they're like oh yeah 
I'm ready to, you know, put in a good effort, switch it on for this session after roughly two days. So while their muscle itself may be recovered or at that kind of point in recovery where it's like, yeah, I could still get another stimuli or stimulus and then continue to adapt forward. This is not a stimulus that's causing a degradation in performance. Like it's, uh, we'll call it overtraining or whatever you want to call it, where you're like, okay, the stimulus was enough here, but I'm now putting another stimulus in here that I'm not able to recover from by the next workout. You know, say you're literally training the same muscle group every second day and you're just accumulating fatigue where there comes a point where it's like, okay, I'm able to adapt slowly trending upwards to these workouts. Whereas now you're, st- you're doing it so frequently that it's like, okay, well I can only ever get to, you know, we'll say 90% adaptation rate, 90% of the adaptations that I want. And then there's another stimulus and it's like, okay, well I can only go up so fast and you're, you're, you're providing a stimulus too often to actually increase. And all of a sudden it starts leveling out and then perhaps even going down, you know? So that is a consideration you have to have. Now, that's not quite a frequent concern because most people would probably stop training every second day if they started noticing, oh, I'm never adding weight to the bar. I'm never doing more reps. I'm always feeling sore from this. I'm always tired. You know, they would start thinking that this probably isn't the best approach for them given their current, you know, recovery capacity, you know? So for most people, in my experience anyway, I would think or I would see that kind of two days of recovery seems to work well when you factor everything in. However, you have to factor in the entirety of the program then and the actual goals. Cause I'm just talking about, you know, hypertrophy here. So from the muscle perspective and the, the, the mindset perspective where you're like, I'm going to go in and hit this workout, you know, that seems to be a bit of a, a two day window. What, what would you be, what would be your thoughts on that what would you experience you know are we saying here that yeah you can pretty much train a muscle every single day once volume is okay and um, like saying 20 sets per workout or per week even uh you could train it you can spread it across the whole week is that okay or are you generally seeing that most people don't mentally whatever you want to call it find that uh an enthusiastic way to train and most find that it takes at least a day, perhaps even two days before they feel like, okay, now I really want to hit that muscle again, or I want to train that uh, body part, whatever uh, again. Yeah. So I suppose like from, from the perspective of just objectively answering the question, can you train muscles like consecutively and get great results, you know, day on day? Like, yeah, you can. Like, I mean, there's, there's controlled evidence on that where they've basically studied um, programs with gaps in between training days and programs that are crammed together and just doing it every day. Um, and, you know, people get pretty much the same results. And similarly in the real world, you know, there are many cases of, of anecdotes where people report, you know, I just do a five times per week full body split and they get great results. So, I mean, from the perspective of can it work? Yes, it can certainly work. However, the point you brought up is actually way more relevant from a coaching perspective and from a real world perspective. And that is that, like, you have to have your head in the game, you know, like, and if you're not enjoying training, like you're, it's a losing battle, you know, you're losing it. Um, because that is the, that is a bottleneck for so many people is the enthusiasm when they show up to the gym and the, and the excitement to show up to the gym and to prepare for it and to look forward to your workouts and to plan ahead. And what you don't want is to be going into the gym and saying, Oh man, bench press again. Really? I'm so sick of this, you know? And that's one of the things I think that is, 
that's quite novel about, well, it's not really that novel, but it's somewhat novel about hypertrophy tra training in general is that you've got a lot of variety and there's nothing that you necessarily need to do. So you can have variation in days in, from day to day. So you've got a push workout, you've got a pull workout, you've got a legs workout, like whatever way you set up your program, you can vary your exercises between those, you vary your rep ranges, vary your number of sets. And there's sort of novelty there in that very few people go in and repeat the same training day twice, two days in a row. Um, so there's always something new to look forward to. And even if you do have a session that you don't like, you can always kind of console yourself by saying, oh, I like tomorrow's session though. You know, that's my favorite day of the week. It's coming. Um, so a lot of people do keep their heads in the game through that. So I think that could, that's where this can fall down with higher frequencies is that people just basically get, you know, mentally fatigued or burnt out from just doing the same thing over and over again. And that's especially the case if they're not enjoying it. Um, but that could also be the total opposite. For example, if you, if you, if like having big arms is the thing that is your goal and you just, you want arms to be in every workout that could make your training really enjoyable and help you to get through the rest of your workout. Cause you're like, Oh, actually there's something that I enjoy in here. And that goes back to the kind of old training heuristic of, you know, give them, give them what they need and then a little bit of what they want, you know, that you do the stuff that's really important for you to, to, to get to where you need to be. And also the stuff that makes training enjoyable and makes you want to come to the gym every day. So there's two answers to that question. One, yes, you can absolutely train muscles on consecutive days and get absolutely great results provided you control all the training variables within that context. Um, and no, it's not necessarily the best approach for everyone because you have to keep in keep in your head the the enjoyment the adherence the motivation um, factors because they're essentially what what drive long-term long progress in the end yeah and i also think again like you said it before like you always have to think like what does this style of training or this approach or whatever like what does this incentivize right and quite often you can find that if you do a very high frequency approach you can kind of incentivize you to not care about individual sessions Right. And what I mean by that is, you know, you can go into your, your Monday session and things can be a little bit off, but you just say to yourself, ah, it doesn't really matter. I'm going to be training this muscle tomorrow anyway. You know, I'll just, I'll have a good session then it'll be fine. You know? So over time you effectively accumulate less effective sets over a given time period because, you know, it can incentivize you to kind of not view individual days or individual training sessions as all that important because yeah, I'm going to be training it tomorrow, you know, like I'm going to be hitting it anyway. So, you know, I'll just push a little bit harder tomorrow to make up for the fact that I didn't push today. Now, conversely to that, the approach of having a lower frequency can also mean that you have shitter sessions overall, because if you have an off day and you're only training that muscle twice per week and you happen to have an off day on one of those days, well, then that's half your volume or whatever it is gone, you know, versus if you have an off day and it's only three sets or two sets of your, your overall volume gone, you know? So again, you have to, you have to look at these things and look at your overall life setup. Like if you are someone that can go into the gym every single day and kind of switch it on, you can have your life variables in place or relatively in place so that, you know, you're not having a continuous, continuous consecutive, you know, shit days, then, you know, you have to uh, you have to look at how that uh, high frequency approach fits you you know conversely again like if you are training less frequently like say we're saying only training twice per week you know if you know that 
there's a few days per week where you might have shit sessions, then perhaps training something more frequently might actually be a better approach for you because you know your schedule can be very all over the place and the individual session may suffer then as a result, you know? So again, like you're saying, from a coaching perspective, you have to take these things into account, the whole lifestyle, the actual individual themselves, like how all that kind of stuff fits together and influences how we actually approach training, not just from a, a theoretical, like, yeah, you physically can train your muscle every two days or every day, you know, if you, if you want, you know, and assuming, you know, adequate volume and recovery. And, um, but is that something that you want to actually do given your lifestyle, your work demands, your recovery dem- capacity, uh, if I can speak, um, and all those things, they all go into factor or they all factor into this discussion. So you have to take them into account, you know, again, like it's all fine and well to theoretically go, yeah, look, mechanistically, this all makes sense. You can basically do whatever the fuck you want to do. Right. But that doesn't really help people actually start deciphering the information that's being presented to them. And they have to then go, okay, well, is this for me? Like, is this approach something that mentally I can click into because some people like training at a, a higher intensity or some people like training at a, a higher individual session volume you know so you have to take all these things into account because you can you again once you start viewing frequency as a way to manage recovery and manipulate volume then you can start going okay so there's probably a minimum effective dose per workout for a given muscle group right and there's probably a minimum effective frequency of stimulation right and there's probably you know a maximum effective dose and a maximum effective frequency of stimulation right and all you're trying to do is go okay how can i manipulate my overall training volume to align with my goals to align with my recovery capacity to align with how i like training and to align with you know my the the volume of work that is needed to achieve these goals you know so again you could end up looking at something and going okay, I actually like higher volume approaches in a given session. You know, I actually like doing 20 sets for a given muscle and just absolutely blasting it. Right. But then you might go, but I also realize that I'm at the stage where that's not as effective as it used to be. And I find that I'm kind of stagnating. Right. So you might go, I want to increase my frequency. But again, mentally, you know, you like going in and just having this sickening pump on that given muscle group you just like focusing in on just that muscle group right so what you might do then is go okay there's a minimal effective dose we'll call it per workout to stimulate that muscle and i want to increase my frequency you could do something as simple as going i'm going to do 18 sets on that first workout and then i'm going to put two sets on another workout in two to three two to three days time just to touch on that muscle group so that i've slightly increased my frequency so at the very least i'm getting some anabolic stimulus in that week time period so rather than waiting an entire week you're now only waiting you know half a week and then hitting it again with your bigger workout you know so again it's just a a method of thinking or or frequency is just a method uh, to manipulate your overall volume you know so it doesn't mean that you have to spread things equally it doesn't mean that you have to switch your whole training style you can still do that you just have to you can still do the training that you enjoy and that you feel makes you progress but you can also then layer on the fact that you're like okay research seems to be suggesting that a slightly higher frequency of exposure 
to that muscle group or to uh, a training stimulus is probably a better approach because a seven day period is somewhat arbitrary, you know? So again, once you get out of that seven day period timeframe, you're like, well, why do I wait seven days? It's just because it's Monday that I have to train jest. No. So then you start thinking, okay, so what is the actual time period it takes for me to feel recovered, to feel like I could go into that session and, you know, at least match my previous performance, you know? And then you'll probably find again, like I was saying earlier on, it's probably roughly two days rest in between that, you know? Again, depending, maybe it's three days for you. Maybe it's one day. I don't know. You know, it's an individual thing. And it obviously depends on how you are actually training at the moment, you know? Um, so you might go, okay, so I'm going to train chest on Monday. I'm going to do my 18 sets, absolutely blasted. I like training that way. And then on Thursday, which is normally, I don't know, my shoulder workout, my shoulder day or back day, I don't know, whatever way you have your training set up, you're like, I'm just going to touch on chest. I'm literally just going to do two sets and I'm just going to feel the chest working. I'm going to slowly progress maybe to three sets there. And again, then you're able to increase the overall volume you're able to do across a given week. Cause maybe you go, okay, I was doing 18 sets or I was doing 20 sets once per week. And I'm going to drop that down to 18 sets on the Monday and two sets on the Thursday. And then you go, okay, I'm actually going to slowly bring that back up to 20 sets on the Monday, but now I've added two sets. So now we're doing 22 sets per, per work week, you know, and then maybe you go, okay, I'm going to do three sets on that Thursday. And now all of a sudden you're doing 23 sets. So you're able to increase the amount of volume you do across a given week you know, which obviously then it allows you to make more progress, potentially assuming recovery, et cetera, are all on point over time because you're doing more work, you know? Um, so again, it just, it's a, it's a method of viewing things or a, a method of manipulating volume across a given week so that you're actually providing a stimulus so that the adaptations can occur, you know? Do you mind to add to that, Gary? Yeah, no, the only the only other thing that I wanted to kind of add there was that like it's important to not become too fragile in your mindset about recovery as well. You know, because we're saying, you know, that yeah, two to three days is probably like when when you're gonna be good to go again for most people doing kind of moderate volumes. But at the same time, like as I kind of alluded to earlier, you don't necessarily need to be hundred percent recovered to train. And there's not always a risk to that. You know, that I think that's one of the things that we have in our heads a lot of the time in in the strength training world and weight training world is that like recovery is essential it's all about recovery and yeah that's true to some degree but look at any athlete in any other sports like they train the same things day day in day out you know and obviously there's there's a case of it not you're not totally hammering yourself all the time but there's no like magic window um after a workout that you can't train in so i think it's important to keep that in mind because that holds back some people because what some people do is like I've seen this with full body and upper lower programs in particular. Um, if they miss a if they miss a, a session, let's say, and they now have they were supposed to have a rest day between two sessions, and now they're not going to have a rest day between two sessions. They're afraid to do that second workout because they're like, well, I can't train the muscle the next day again. And it's like, well, you can just maybe leave a few more reps in the tank, and it's better to train than not train. You know, so even if you are a little bit sore heading into the the next workout, especially if this is in your early weeks of trying a higher frequency program, you don't need to stress about that. You know, like, yeah, it mightn't be the most anabolic versus week three when you're less sore and you're feeling pumped going into that session, but it's still training and it's better than not training. You're dead right, Gary. You're dead right as per usual. Right now, the only thing left to discuss is the 
exercise selection frequency, right? I actually think this is just an, an easy discussion because effectively what we're discussing here is skill development, you know, because realistically your, your muscle doesn't really know if you're doing a bench press or, well, it obviously does, but not to this extent that you would think it does. And um, like your, your muscle doesn't know if you're doing a bench press with, I don't know, a bar versus doing it on a, a chest press machine, assuming the angles are all the exact same, you know, like that's your muscle can't really sense that. Like obviously it can to an extent because you have to be able to coordinate the movement and the rest of your body is in a different position. And um, so I'm being a little bit hyperbolic, but realistically all your muscles themselves know is, is tension, you know? So from a muscle building perspective, like you could effectively do any exercise once you produce or once you provide tension on those given muscle fibers, you know, would you agree with that Gary? Yep. Right. So it really doesn't matter if you're, if your outcome that you want to influence is hypertrophy, you want to build muscle. It really doesn't matter if you do the same workout or same exercises multiple times per week. You know, you could have a, again, we'll focus on the chest. You could do a, a lower chest focused day, and then you could do an upper chest focused day. If you want to like split things up a little bit. So you're like, Oh, this day I focus on more incline movements and this day I focus on more kind of flat or decline movements. You know, maybe you're like, that's, that's how I want to approach my training because it allows me really, you know, get there mentally be like this. These are different exercises. This is effectively a, a different day, you know? So from a muscle building perspective, do whatever the fuck you want to do. There's no exercise that is required. There are obviously going to be better exercises for you for a given goal. Again, if you want to build your upper chest and all you do is decline movements, maybe that's not the best approach. Um, but again, it, it depends on what your overall goals are, you know? So factoring them in exercise selection, less important, uh, than a lot of people would think, you know, however, we have to factor in that lifting is a skill right so if you want to provide more tension and then and thus provide more of an anabolic stimulus you know uh potentially being better able to coordinate those movements is a good thing right so we have to layer on the skill development thing right from we'll just do it from a strength or sport specific thing first of all and then go back to the the muscle building perspective from a sport specific i'm talking about powerlifting here or olympic lifting or any of the sports where you know the sport is effectively training if that makes sense like you're doing the exercises that other athletes would consider gpp you know obviously you're doing them better because it's your sport but effectively they're exercises for gpp you know and um, you you would want to do a movement more frequently and effectively build better skills at that lift. You know, like I don't think anyone would really disagree with that. The more skillful you get at a lift, the better it is for your sport. If your sport is lifting that exercise, right? So a higher frequency of exposure to that is one method you could use to do that right? That doesn't mean it's the only method or it's the best method, but it is a method that allows you to acquire the skill of doing that or of executing that movement. It allows you to acquire that more quickly, right? So from a sports specific type deal in some of the slower lifts, like the power lifts, you know, it's maybe less important that you do stuff as frequently. However, there may be advantages to doing those exercises 
more frequently, especially if you're in that beginner to intermediate stage where you are still effectively learning those lifts, you know, and as you get to the advanced stages, perhaps the method you use to advance that exercise is increased frequency. So effectively still increased skill acquisition. Some people find they lose the skill, they lose the groove if they're not exposed to it multiple times per week. However, there are also athletes that find if they just go to higher intensities and give longer recovery times because they're lifting such heavy weights, you know, that that's, uh, that's how they need to progress, you know? So I'm not saying you need to do more frequency to get better at skill acquisition. If you've already acquired the skill or you're able to keep that skill for a long period of time, you know, cause some people aren't, some people just, their nervous system loses it a, a little bit quicker, you know, frequency is something that you can manipulate. Right. But I do think for the majority of beginners to intermediates doing a given lift more frequently is a good way of progressing that lift from a strength perspective, right? Would you agree with that so far, Gary? Yes, absolutely. Right, and this is especially true at lifts that are just, basically they are just skills. They're not even, like to an extent, they're not even taxing on the muscular system, right? And what I mean by this is the, the Olympic lifts. Like the, doing a max clean and jerk probably isn't the limit of your muscular ability to do uh to produce force you know like most people aren't cleaning their max uh first of all they're not cleaning their max uh clean deadlift and they're not cleaning their max front squat so neither of those two two things are limiting in that lift obviously then the jerk it's very very skill dependent you know you have to catch it at the the most perfect time the, the the clean element like you can be a bit off but with the jerk element like there's very low margin for error in that right so you have to be an absolute technician for the olympic lifts so higher frequency is generally going to be better for those because the skill component is huge for those whereas the the strength and muscular component while obviously important are lesser to an extent like obviously you need to be stronger than what you're trying to clean and jerk or snatch or whatever, but the, the actual exercises themselves there are not going to be limited by strength. Like obviously they are. If you try to lift heavier than you can do, they're limited by strength. But what I'm saying is the skill component is huge, right? So practicing them more frequently is probably a good approach, you know? And um, for the slower lifts, like the, the power lifts, like it's, it's for some people, yes. Uh, the skill component needs to be developed more. But for most people, it's really just the strength and muscular component that need to be developed. So obviously frequency plays into that, right? Now, the next point on this is going back to the, the hypertrophy thing. If you are able to lift a heavier weight because you've acquired a better skill of lifting that weight, you know, like you say, you do your bench press twice per week. As a result, you're more skillful. You know how to move your body better. You're able to coordinate the lift better, you know, that may lead to better hypertrophy over time because you've acquired better skills in that lift and are thus able to lift heavier weight and thus able to provide more tension on those muscles, right? So from that perspective, you could argue that, like again, if your goal is to build muscle, doing a given exercise multiple times per week could be a very good approach because you both build the skill of lifting and then also build the muscular adaptations 
to that lift. So again, this could look like you do your bench press on the Monday, three sets of whatever, 12, and then you do your bench press on the Thursday, again, three sets of, I don't know, maybe eight or something, or maybe 15, maybe a different rep range. Maybe you just do the exact same rep range. That's what I do with some of the lifts that I repeat. I just do the same rep range and again, manage my RPE reps in reserve, that kind of stuff. Um, so perhaps that's the method that you need to do to maximize your muscular development because you've maximized the skill development and you are effectively not relearning an exercise every week because you're only doing that actual exercise once per week, even though you're stimulating the muscle, you know, two to three times per week, you know? So we can't just look at this from a muscular perspective, a attention perspective. We have to look at this from the neurological, the skill development perspective, because if you're able to lift a heavier weight, you're able to provide more tension on the muscle and potentially that will lead to greater gains over time. You know, so we, we have to factor that in. However, you don't need to do the same exercise multiple times per week. Like if you are switching to a, higher frequency approach you could effectively just choose different exercises you know you could also very easily choose the same exercise and again perhaps different variables with that you know maybe a a a changed rpe or reps in reserve or changed rep range or you know stuff like that you could easily do that you know however what i always look at this there's obviously going to be exercises that fit you better right? You're going to find an exercise and you're going to be like, wow, this, this just lights up that muscle. I feel every fiber of that muscle working. You know, there, there's no pain associated with this, you know, in, in the joints or there's no momentum. There's no inertia. Like the, the exercise is absolutely perfect for you, right? The resistance profile fits your strength profile beautifully, right? You couldn't design a better exercise for you as an individual, right? For me, I would probably repeat that more often than switch to a different exercise, which I don't have as good of a connection with, or I don't have, you know, it doesn't feel as good, you know? So we have to factor that stuff in as well. You know, if there is an exercise that you're like, this is absolutely beautiful for my body. Like, I don't see why you would not repeat that if you are training that muscle, uh, you know, twice, three times per week. You know, if you know this exercise is beautiful for you, why would you choose less effective exercises just because you're like, all right, well, I don't want to do the same exercise multiple times per week. You know, that that's probably going to lead to the best results. If you have this exercise that is just perfect for that muscle, you know, and what are your thoughts on that, Gary? Yeah. Like I, I agree with that. And if you, if you have an exercise that like from a hypertrophy perspective, that just seems to do a better job than everything else, like, you should be trying to milk that, you know, use it for as long as you were able to adhere to it and you actually enjoy it, you know, but I think one of the concerns that often comes up for people then is they're like, but if I'm only training the same movement, you know, am I really going to maximize my adaptations? And that's where your other exercises come into play. You know, it's, it's assumed like we're assuming that you're not just going to do one exercise um, per muscle per week. So you could have a second exercise that you do in each of those respective two workouts per week. And you could use that deliberately to tra- train maybe a different part of the range or bias a little part of the a part of the range or slightly different movement, depending on the muscle and the joint that you're talking about, and that maybe isn't covered, you know? So for example, if it was something, right, you found a hack squat that's just, it's nailing your quads, it's better than any quad exercise you've ever done, um, 
but you still know that you're not maybe getting the most out of your quads because you're not training them in the same way that a leg extension might, for example, then you might add in a leg extension as your secondary exercise because you're now training the quads in a position where the hip is flexed um, and, and you're also extending the knee with the hip inflection. So there's a slightly different challenge there and potentially different hypertrophy outcomes there. Um, so regional hypertrophy does vary a bit, you know, in terms of like where a muscle grows and um, where it's biased to grow can be different between different exercises depending on the the, the muscle length and the where the, the bias is greatest in the range whereas i mean while that is true you don't necessarily need to say oh i need to cover every part of the range in every session and every training cycle and there's a perfect recipe it's not it's just a case of variation over time and that also comes back to strength too um because as we strength is a skill one of the things that is beneficial for skill development is actually sampling things that are similar but not necessarily specific to the exercise that you're doing you know so it doesn't mean that if you're trying to get better at a back squat that you only do back squats and it would mean that you also include some front squats some safety bar squats and different squat variations exercises that are similar what that does for you is it builds you a more comprehensive movement capacity where you have more strategies available to you, um, both on a visible level in terms of like being stronger at different joint angles and slightly different joint positions and stuff, and at a kind of a more minute neuromuscular level in terms of your muscles having different strategies to actually coordinate themselves during movements. So if you're exposing yourself to a wider sample of things like that, you're able to, de to develop uh, more strategies. So that can seem counterintuitive to people at times because they think that, right, if I'm increasing my frequent, I pick the one exercise that I'm trying to get better at, whereas you can pick similar variations and you actually get more complete adaptations and are potentially going to be better if you just did the same exercise all the time. And I think that tends to present itself in the real world anyway. Like very few powerlifters only do back squats. Um, maybe they'll do back squats with chains or with bands or to a box or with pauses. They're still all variations that change the neuromuscular requirements. Um, and, and yeah, basically variation is beneficial, both from a hypertrophy and a strength perspective, but you don't want to get too far away from it either. If there's hypertrophy exercises, like, like an exercise for a given muscle, that's just nailing that muscle, use it, you know? Yeah, I think that as well from the, the the sports specific thing, like you do want some variation in there, but you also, you know, it depends on where you are in your competitive season and then also what you actually need as an athlete, you know, like maybe you do need a bit more quad strength in a range that, you know, your squats aren't hitting. Like say, for example, you're pretty weak off the floor in your deadlift and you've identified that, oh, you know, you do this really low bar hip dominant squat and it's like, yeah, that's great. Once the bar, or for your deadlift, once the bar is past like the mid shin point, you're like, wow, this is just, my glutes are just huge, strong, really powerful. My low back, everything is just absolutely unreal. Whereas you're like, okay, but off the floor, you know, where the, the quads are doing a good bit of work, you're, you're not great. And you're like, oh, well, you know, my quads are kind of small in comparison to my posterior chain because, you know, I've been doing low bar back squats and deadlifts and that area is just lit up you know and um, you might go okay well i'm going to do some direct quad work with maybe you know a, a, even a front squat if you're like i want to be more specific to my lift or maybe even a high bar squat or again maybe a hack squat maybe a leg press you know so i think a lot of powerlifters intuitively they're kind of like 
oh, this muscle is used in this portion of the lift. It seems to be weaker in me because of the way I do these other exercises. I'm going to bring in some sort of accessory or supplementary lift to help me within that range that I, I seem to be weaker. And obviously, again, like just because they're a powerlifter doesn't mean they're not a human. Like they still want to look and feel a certain way. So, you know, just because their sport doesn't demand them to have, you know, big juicy quads, they might be like, well, I actually like that look or I, I, I like that for other things, you know? Um, so they might bring in more direct quad work, you know, uh, just as an example, you know? And obviously certain lifts that aren't directly challenging to the muscle are also going to help provide potentially something like stability to other lifts. This is why you see a lot of powerlifters are like, yeah, I do a lot of overhead pressing because they're like, oh, well, again, like your, your shoulders are involved, especially your anterior delt that is involved in bench pressing, you know? So they strengthen that muscle and all of a sudden they're like, oh, my shoulders feel a little more stable, you know? And obviously you're using the upper back musculature as well, which also plays a role in bench pressing, you know? So it's like, uh, yeah, this is not directly helping that muscle, but it, or that movement, but it is indirectly helping that, you know? So your frequency of exposure to different muscles and, you know, exercises has to be factored in with all of that stuff. Anyway, Gary, I think that pretty much answers the question on frequency. Just to kind of sum it up, basically what we're saying is you can do whatever fuck you want once your volume and fatigue is managed, you know? Um, But for most people, something like 10 to 20 sets per week spread out over two to three sessions seems to make the most sense, seems to cover the most people and their goals, their, their adaptation goals, you know? So that could be a good starting point for you. You know, maybe you go, okay, I'm going to do 20 sets per week and I'm going to do 10 and 10, you know, I'm going to do Monday, 10, Thursday, 10, you know, that could be a great approach for you. I would probably err on the side of a little bit lower in the volume to start with, but again, you can do whatever the fuck you want, you know? Um, and again, if you want to see how this kind of plays out, you can look at those ebook templates, you know, they're, they're available on site, you know, the link is in the description and all you have to do is click it. Um, what else, Gary? Do you have anything else to summarize that or add to the conversation? Um, just that while we give while we give general ranges, like you you don't like if you find that four times or five times per week frequency is just the, the thing for you, fire away. You know, it can work absolutely fine. Many people have had great success with higher frequency um, for a, a given exercise, you know, some exercise more than others. Personally, from a coaching perspective, I've had a lot of success with having people um, do upper body exercise at a higher frequency, whereas doing things like squats and deadlifts at a higher frequency, ugh, it's kind of hit and miss. Um, squats tend to benefit like, from just from what I've seen a little bit more from higher frequency than little variations do. Um, but again, they're both being included at the same time. So it's kind of hard to isolate everything. But in general, is to say that like, what 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 exercise out of the main kind of few exercises that people focus on is going to benefit more from higher frequency it'd be bench press or some sort of press, pressing variation um so yeah that's obviously only if you really care about maximizing your your strength in any of those given licks but yeah basically the point there feel free to experiment yourself see what happens because 
anytime we talk about the outcomes from research, we're basically talking about bridge results. So we're, we're saying, all right, what do, what frequency do most people convene on and get the best results? Whereas you could be one of those people from one of those studies who actually benefited loads from the five times frequency approach. And you don't know that until you try. Um, so yeah, you don't be afraid to give the things a shot. Um, but don't assume that you're going to be an outlier either, because by definition, you probably shouldn't assume that. <laughs> that would be good advice. All right. So Gary, where can people find us? Where should they find us? All that stuff. Give me your greasy salesman pitch, but also tell everyone where they should be following us if they want to engage with more content. Yeah. So now that we're in the new year and we've had the kind of first couple of weeks to sort ourselves out, we do have a number of changes that we're kind of running ourselves within the business. And one of the things that has changed is the way that we structure our weekly newsletter. So we've mentioned that in basically every podcast, but from now on in the newsletter, basically what we want to do is have that as being a something that's truly valuable every time you receive it every Sunday morning. So you actually look forward to it. So basically, rather than just sending you content that you may have seen if you already follow our social media, um, we want to actually give those people who are loyal to, you know, seeing you, you follow our content, you see what we're putting out, I want to give you something extra. So what we're doing is we're writing an article every week um, on a Sunday that will go out Sunday morning as part of the newsletter. And you can basically read that. It'll be somewhere between 500 to 1500 words in length. It's not going to be too long, um, but it's basically going to cover a, a specific topic that maybe we've been asked or we've encountered in coaching or that we've seen on social media throughout the week, something that we think you'll actually find interesting and that will be helpful um, for you. So if you want to sign up to the newsletter and previously just receiving our content and the recommended resources did not seem very exciting, um, now you have the opportunity to access you know, that, that content that may not actually be present in, on any other channel. So check that out below. You can subscribe and that goes out every Sunday morning. You do get discounts as well um, on the store, on our eBooks and, and templates. Um, so there is a bit of an extra incentive there too. Um, in addition to that, we'd recommend joining the Triage Method community. That's our Facebook group in which we have productive conversations with other personal trainers and interested trainees. And we also share things that we're interested in in there and I'm more than happy to look at any training clips that people want to send in. Um, we did mention the eBooks and templates. As you know, we've got a beginner's guidebook, which is basically training and nutrition theory, inclusive all um, programs. So there's sample programs in there as well for various different populations, um, including if you only have farmyard equipment, there's a sample program in there for you. So there's a lot of stuff in that beginner's guidebook. Um, I, re I really recommend that out of, out of all the templates, get the guidebook. It will help you out for sure. The program templates then are for the person who's like, right, I just want to kind of get the, the quick notes on the training theory and then get stuck into some program examples. There's plenty of those in there. We just released the two to six day template, um, which is basically an ebook that is the culmination of all the other um, program templates. Um, and then if you'd like to engage with our coaching, obviously that's where you would go if you wanted to really take your results up a notch because you actually get support from us and guidance. So the group coaching is a little bit more half. It's a lot cheaper. And that's basically where you're going to become part of a community, a small community of people that are also training with similar goals as yourself. You'll have a program, you have nutrition guidelines, but we'll help you to then tweak that along the way and give you technique feedback and stuff like that and answer any questions that you have. And then the next level up is, of course, the one-to-one -one online coaching for the people who are like, I'm in, 
I want to get the best results I can. I want to learn a lot along the way and I want to be empowered to keep my results long into the future. Um, that includes if you're trying to lose body fat, to gain muscle, to train for a specific sport, or even if you're trying to recover from an injury um, and, and basically get on track a rehab process. That's the real hands-on one-on-one online approach. Um, so you could definitely get involved in that. Of course, we have our social media too. YouTube is probably the best thing that we'd recommend subscribing to uh, because that's you know a good place. You get notifications, especially if you click that little bell. So get on that. And follow us on Instagram as well and Facebook and Twitter if you want. Instagram is probably the best place because we are going to be producing a little bit more unique content this year on Instagram in terms of having more graphics, more things to support the content that we're putting up on site. So if you previously followed us on Instagram, you're like, I don't want to just see you sharing things that are on your site because I I go to your site all the time. Thank you. Um, There will be more bonus content on there this year. So that is everything. I believe anything yes. to add yes. before we close it out. No, that, that is everything. I would just view the different coaching options available because I was talking to someone about this last week. They were like, Oh, well, what differentiates those three things that you offer? I would view the, the ebook templates. If you want to still be in charge of your training, but you just want to make sure you're doing everything right. That's probably where I would go. You know, if you're like, yeah, I've listened to all this stuff. I enjoy you know, designing my own workouts. I basically just want some templates that I can use to tweak as I see fit. You know, if I'm like, I, I, you basically still want to be in charge of your training, right? That's where I would go. If you are someone that's like, I basically just want to outsource all of the thinking and I just want to do the doing, uh, then the group coaching would be a good option, you know? If you effectively are just like, that's, I, I don't want to have to think about what I'm doing. I just want to open up my phone, look at the given workout for the day, do the workout, send in some video clips, make sure I'm doing the exercises correctly, you know, ask for some tweaks. You maybe don't have this piece of equipment, whatever. You still want to outsource it, group coaching. And this is also true with the nutrition aspect. Like, yes, you have to do the work yourself. You know, you have to do your own calories and macros. Like obviously we show you how, because this is an education process. You, you want to do your own if, if you aren't doing the calories and macros approach, you want to do your own portion control. You want to do your own kind of uh, habit-based stuff. We give you all those tools. You know, you still, you still have to effectively do it yourself, but it is very largely outsourced. And if you want a community where you're like, okay, I can ask questions. I know all of the people in this community are, you know, striving for a similar goal. So obviously these people are encountering the same issues that I am. Uh, then the group coaching is going to be for you. If you are, however, like, no, I actually want to really take things up a notch this year. I want to really maximize my results. I want to, or I have a specific goal. Like I have two people that are going for like weddings and stuff. And so I'm like, they want to be ready for that given date. You know, so that would be the online coaching approach. Basically, if you have a specific goal or you want to really ensure that you are doing everything perfect for you, like we're going to hammer in all the variables that are needed for your success, the online coaching is going to be for you. We do have a few spaces available. However, we have had like eight inquiries over the last week because again, this is the time period where people really start inquiring. So if you are interested, don't wait where you're like, oh, well, you know, I actually wouldn't mind waiting until March because that's a better time period for summer or whatever. It's like, we can't guarantee that we'll have spaces available. So the sooner you get in, the better, you know? Um, Other than that, Gary, yeah, just follow us on social media and join the newsletter. Newsletter is definitely where I would be. The Facebook group, definitely where I would be. Get on it, bro.
It's too easy. Right. Goodbye, mm -hmm. everybody.